listening to ESL Talk, a podcast made for English teachers by English teachers. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hello, welcome to another new episode of ESL Talk. We're rolling along really well in season six, and we have another great episode for you today where we're talking about IELTS, we're talking about misconceptions and how to better prepare students for IELTS with our guest, Sarah Omar. Um, she's a real expert in this field and has a lot of knowledge about the test, so hopefully she'll be able to provide a little bit more insight and a little bit more expertise into IELTS if you teach it or if it's something you're thinking about teaching in the future. So really excited for that interview coming up in just a minute or two. Before we get into that, as always, just a few housekeeping um, tasks to do and a few things just to remind you of um, just to make sure that you're getting the most out of the podcast. First of all, if you're not following us on Instagram, please do. You can find us at ESL Talk Podcast where we post our videos. You can find out a little bit more about each of our guests, connect with our guests and also get access to all our episodes if you need them. They're all up there on our Instagram page, along with our website, which is esl-talk.com. On the website, you, again, you can apply to be a guest like Sarah did, uh, like a lot of our guests have done. Just click the button, be a guest, fill in a few details, and then we'll arrange a time to meet with you, to talk to you about your area of English, your passion, your expertise, something that you'd like to share with our audience. And finally, don't forget our sponsor, which is esl-curriculum.com. There you can access 600 plus interactive, ready to teach, off the shelf lessons. So if you're an online English teacher looking to cut down on your planning time and your preparation time, then this is a perfect um, solution for you. So just go to esl-curriculum.com, start your free two-week trial, and no matter what you teach, whether it's kids, business English, speaking, writing, anything else IELTS related, it's all covered in the package and in the website esl-curriculum.com. Check them out, please. So before we get into today's interview with Sarah, just one more important piece of business. If you are interested in teaching IELTS or test preparation and you'd like to know a little bit more about how to do this, where to get started, maybe how to build a curriculum, how to market yourself, and how to learn about the tests in a little bit more detail, then if you go to our website, esl-talk.com, we do have a specific test prep program that we have put together to help teachers like you who might need help getting started with this process. So all you need to do is go to the website, esl-talk.com, and there is a link there called Test Prep Program, 
All the details and information are there. You can find out about the program and you can also reach out to me as well. If you'd like to know more, we'd love to be able to work with you and help you with test prep as well. All right, so let's get into this week's interview with Sarah and let's find out about misconceptions, myths in IELTS and how she prepares her students for IELTS as well. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Alrighty, I am here with our guest today, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sarah. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you for having me on the show. Yes, I'm very happy to talk to you about a topic that's very close to my own heart, which is IELTS uh, misconceptions and how to how to prepare effectively for IELTS. So um, before we get into that in depth, could you share a little bit with us about your journey and what inspired you to get involved in IELTS and maybe some some myths and misconceptions that you commonly hear about? Okay, well, it's kind of a funny story. Um, one day, uh, I was pulled in by my manager in their office, and they told me that they needed someone to cover an IELTS plus. And I had never taught IELTS before in my life. It was just general English all the time, conversation English sometimes, business English, but never, never any exam prep of any sorts. So I panicked. I was really scared. Um, because I know that this is like high stakes course and people pay a lot of money in order to achieve the required band scores. So I was like, okay, what, what should I do? I have no clue what I should do. Should I plan? Should I just go into class? 
And then I sat down with my manager and a, and a few other colleagues and they started giving me some tips. Mm -hmm. The tips were, were all focused on like exam prep, exam prep, exam techniques. Right. Uh, let's just give them as much study practice as possible. So this is when it started to hit me that a lot of people were actually doing that without realizing that they're not really helping their students. Students go, they take the exam, they come back with the same band score, it doesn't budge. So there was something wrong with the process, either in our teaching or in the courses that we were, we were delivering back then. So then uh, it, the idea of misconceptions came through. And all over the years, I was like taking notes from my practice in the classroom, from observing other teachers that um, I was training. And even some um, untrustworthy information flying around on the internet most of the time, giving people the same uh, tips and tricks, thinking that there's a shortcut for teaching IELTS when there's really none of this at all. It's just a big hoax. Yes, yes, yes. Because everything you're saying is uh, is extremely valid and extremely um, true in in a lot of senses. So thank you for uh, for sharing that. And it's funny that you mentioned that one day you were called in and asked to do this because this mm. seems to be the story for a lot of people actually, yes. um, <laughs> and how they got started doing it as well. So we've touched on misconceptions that these hacks, these tricks, they don't really exist. Um, it's kind yeah. of a myth, but it's shared mm. a lot, and it's it, it is a little bit dangerous. Um, for students mm. taking the test as well. What are mm. some of these misconceptions that you've heard or you've, you've, you've kind of learned about over the years? Okay, so the, the first one I just shared is that um, just go in the classroom with some practice tests, give them to your students, check their band score, that what they have achieved, like using, uh, especially if you're teaching the receptive skills, reading and listening, just mm -hmm. give them the answer key, they check, and then they figure out, okay, um, I achieved really badly or, oh, okay, I achieved well, which was most of the time not what the story is because students came uh, where I was working. They were coming mm -hmm. with a lot of issues with all their skills, basically. Yes, yes, so, yes. So this is the first um, misconception. How does this affect teaching? Well, basically, the teacher relies a lot on testing versus teaching or developing the actual skills. So they don't really plan or they yes. go online to get some um, ready-made lesson plans, which is what I used to do, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Ready-made mm -hmm. lesson plans full of fun activities and cutouts in order mm -hmm. to fill in the time. So that mm -hmm. would be if you're teaching a two-hour class, the first hour goes to testing then mm -hmm. checking the answers and then the second hour is just some kind of fun interactive activities to help the students um not feel bored or demotivated wow wow so where is, is the actual teaching pretty... taking place there exactly there so that yes. so so there was not much teaching which brings me to the next misconception mm -hmm. um that a lot of teachers don't know that there's a difference between teaching an exams class or an exams yes. course and a general English one. hundred percent. Yeah. How how did how did these um how does this affect their approach then? What is their approach? The, the so same? basically, yeah, definitely. So with general English, there's a lot of grammar input and vocabulary. 
which is lacking a little bit in some of these kind of courses that just rely on testing and that's it. And also, you give them a lot of, uh, again, another mistake that happens in general English classes that some teachers, when they're teaching a receptive skills lesson, they just give their students some comprehension questions, uh, listen, read, answer, that's it. There is no skills development. So the same happens actually in the IELTS course. There's no skills development and a lot of reliance on testing rather than teaching. So that creates something called, called backwash effect. This is basically what the students feel when they are being tested all the time. There's no feedback given. They're just getting the same score over and over again. And then they feel extremely demotivated and they feel like, okay, there's no hope of getting this course or taking the exam. Yes, yes. I, I'm, I'm writing these things down because all these words resonate with me so much and they're a little bit traumatic to hear because I've <laughs> heard these stories so many times. I've witnessed this um, in classrooms as well. It's very, very demotivating, not just for you as a teacher, but also for students mm -hmm. because they don't know, they don't really understand why they're getting the score because, right. You know, a lot of times when I start teaching students with IELTS is let's look at the band descriptors, let's break them down, let's see where you're at now and what mm. you have to do to get to your level. And so many of them have like, what is this? What are you, what are you showing me? I don't understand this chart. I'm like, right. if you don't know how you're going to be assessed, how could you ever reach your score, you know? Very, exactly, very exactly. And this brings me to the next misconception, which is a lot of teachers think that the band descriptors are not important at all and they're just for the examiners. So what they end up doing in the classroom is that they either don't go over, they don't go through them, they don't explain them, they don't break them down because actually the public band descriptors that you can download online for free requires a lot of explanation and you can actually design or plan your course around them like you just said where the student is like what is their current English level versus what they are trying to achieve and how they can achieve that. So I used to think as well, I'm a culprit here, that those band descriptors, oh, they're not important at all. I never showed them once on the, uh, on the boards, never went through them with my students up until like later on when I started understanding how to teach IELTS. Um, and never gave them much thought like i thought really i really thought that this was basically for the examiner to use yeah exactly i mean you know this is the the foundation of everything with the preparation and again that is all the examiner is going to use so why not work to that instead of trying to oversimplify something that's actually quite simple when you break it down into the, the different sections or the different plots right so mm, i think exactly. that's that's something that's not really um looked at enough and not really thought about enough um, and it's right. it's a real issue and it causes a lot of problems now um in terms of you know one myth or one thing that jumps out to you what is an example of a particularly um pervasive myth and it's debunking and how have you managed to debunk that now knowing what you know now okay here's a very common one ielts is a speed test it's just about learning how to manage your time once you do that you're good to go <laughs> this 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 sounds a little bit naive, but for 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 a point of, of time, I, I thought, okay, 
I can't really expect my students to achieve whichever school they are trying to achieve during a period of four weeks or two weeks sometimes if I was teaching an intensive course. So I thought maybe there was a hack. And this hack would be to train the students to answer the questions, especially in the reading part, when you're doing the true, false, not given and the matching heading section. I thought that I could teach them like a few tricks to help them speed read without mm -hmm. really uh, having to understand much of the text. Right. So, so at some point, I was actually teach the, teaching them how to match synonyms from the from the question or mm -hmm. from the from the statement in the question to mm -hmm. uh, particular parts of the text okay. and uh, of, okay this would obviously help them read much faster but it wasn't producing the results that i wanted them to produce and so they ended up like um parrot reading like I, they they weren't really again I wasn't developing their skills as much as I was just trying to improve their speed reading again by teaching them the, the, the cliched skimming and scanning techniques, which if people rely too much on, then they're not really going to achieve anything. IELTS is tricky that way. So there has to be some kind of vocabulary and grammar input. It's not just a course where I just go and sit down and get bombarded with the exam techniques and strategies under time constraints, which will produce nothing in the end, except again, that Porsche effect. The next thing is not falling into the trap of teaching all learners in your classroom in the exact same way, but without any kind of differentiation. And I think this is like a given in any kind of course, but with IELTS in specific, you've got students who are preparing for two different kinds of tests most likely academic in general. They are like not 100% the same, but still like the general, general training reading module is different from the uh, writing uh, task one, for example. Um, another point is they don't all come in the same level. You will have some students with B1, some students B2, maybe some students C1. So there has to be some element of differentiation. And lastly, they are not yes. all preparing for the set with the same motivation, especially people who are taking the academic module. Most mm -hmm. of them are uh, looking to get like a seven to a 7.5. Yes. Yes. Um, so how can we do this? Like, how can we teach all those different types of people in, in the short constraints of the time of the course? Mm -hmm. We, we're, we're using this one-size-fits-all approach to teach all these different abilities, levels, mm. motivations. Um, it's mm. not really possible, so it's always a good idea to try to work with students at their level. Otherwise, you'll you'll um, you'll lose the ones that are too low for what you're teaching, and then the ones that are higher, they won't be as motivated or as um, you know as as attracted to what you're teaching. So it's it's very difficult. But I would say yes, definitely teach at the level. That's a really good point. And although a lot of trainers used to advocate for like um, putting students when grouping students, putting the weaker ones with the, um, the stronger ones, it, this didn't always work to be honest, especially when they were peer checking in the writing. So if I'm a weak student, um, I wouldn't say weak, but you know, my level is weaker than yours. 
you're a C1, for example, and I'm a B1, and my teacher is letting us P work together and check our writing. How am I supposed to know your mistakes if I'm not aware of my mistakes? That didn't really produce anything, to be honest. So it doesn't always work. Maybe with the speaking, one of them can play examiner, examinee and give feedback. But with the writing, this doesn't always work, especially with writing task two. Absolutely. And, and every student is different. They have a different level. They have different strengths and weaknesses. So again, right. you're not necessarily setting them up for failure, but you're making it much more difficult for them to succeed if you're approaching it in this way. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So how would you make sure, or how would teachers make sure that they are providing the most accurate and up-to-date information about IELTS to their students? Because again, I see every day very poor advice, very misleading advice, even wording and phrasing. I hear people say, I failed, you're going to fail. Well, yes. how can you <laughs> fail a test that doesn't have a pass or fail exactly. outcome? It doesn't really make sense to me. So mm, how can mm. teachers ensure they're up to date and they're teaching relevant skills and appropriate, um, giving appropriate information about, about IELTS? Okay, well, assuming your school is not providing in service training of IELTS, then you're going to have to take uh, the leads and be an autonomous teacher and put yourself in the student's shoes and study for the exam as if you were actually taking the exam. This is what I did. <laughs> it's a lot of work, but I guarantee you're going to learn a lot as a teacher about yourself. Thank you your so much level. for saying this, Sarah. Yes. I, like I said before, there's no really shortcut even for teachers yes. when, they're when they're preparing for teaching IELTS. I'm so glad you share this message because I share this message um, as well. And so many teachers have been unhappy or felt offended or slighted when I've said, well, have you taken the test? Like, have you have you tried to do it and go through that process? Not necessarily because you want to get all nines. I mean, that's extremely mm -hmm. difficult to do. But yes. if you at least go through the process then you can give better information, you can give better insights, you can Definitely. share your experience, you can empathize yeah. with students, you yeah. can share with them what to expect. I mean, the analogy I always use is, if I want to learn to drive, would I want to learn to drive from someone who's watched videos about driving a car? Mm. Um, or would I like to learn to drive from someone who's driven a car for many years, has taken the test themselves, has gone through lots of training? I'd want to do the second option, right? Um, yeah. It doesn't yeah. really make sense when teachers who want to teach IELTS are not prepared to take the test themselves. And it's a real gripe of mine because, again, unless you've gone through that process, how can you really give the best information? Having gone through that process to take the test yourself, Sarah, did you then find afterwards that you were better able to support and guide students who were taking the test? Um, this definitely helped. It wasn't the only thing, though. Uh, there's a there's a different element to because um, like a, you're at the end of the day you're a teacher uh, when you're taking the test you are a student you're not a teacher and these are like not exactly the same shoes you're wearing or the same hat uh, one time you are being a student you are receiving information you're trying to give information but when you are a teacher you're trying to train others to understand questions, exam techniques, help with um, different other sub-skills, especially in the productive skills. Yes. So it did help, but um, receiving training 
I was like, I was trained to teach the actual skills that really helped as well. Um, I'm not sure if all schools provide such kind of training, but I do recommend that if your school is not providing such training, that you go go for it either, either online or with any other school. Because um, at the end of the day, um, with IELTS, it's actually like as difficult as it is to achieve results. It's actually easy to see those results in the classroom while you're training your students. Unlike general English, it takes time to see uh, if you're teaching them, uh, for example, a group of idioms or teaching them the difference between present perfect simple and past simple, it's actually quite difficult to see the results instantaneously. Yes, I agree. And the thing with IELTS as well is that it's, you know, it's it's much more focused on the skills that you need to reproduce and the skills you need to show. It's, it's for elements, um, whereas general English has a lot more elements. And again, they're going to be judged based on that result, that test result that they receive. So it's um, it's really it is really different. And again, this is another reason why for general English teachers who want to go into IELTS teaching. Absolutely, you should. But just make sure that you're really um, up to date with the different ways that the test is delivered and the main differences between IELTS and general English as well. So yeah, that's a really good point that you raised just uh, a few seconds ago. Um, I wanted to ask you, Sarah, what advice do you have for teachers who would like to, you know, get into teaching IELTS or they'd like to prepare to, to take IELTS, um, you know, as well? Like what advice would you give them? First thing is you need to build your confidence, especially if you haven't taken the test before. So at least, uh, try and study the course yourself. So uh, uh, treat yourself as your students, sit down with the books, read through the tips that sometimes authors add them on the margins of the pages. Try your hand at each question. Um, you're going to struggle a little at first, but it's okay. Um, and if you have someone who's taken the test before, you can go to for advice or rather someone who's worked as an examiner before especially with up-to-date exam information uh, that Cambridge always updates. Sometimes this information is not accessible to, um, to teachers or students. So I always like to un understand what's going on in the, in the background. Um, the second thing is you have to learn that this, this is um, a learning curve. It's going to be a learning curve for yourself. Um, Maybe you're not going to have the most successful course at the beginning, but you're you're really going to learn from like trying it in and out a few times until you build your confidence, like I said earlier. Um, another important point is um, feedback. Feedback is really important for the students. They come, they come to take it like they pay a lot of money in order to receive this kind of feedback, whether on the writing or speaking, a lot more on the writing than speaking, I would say. In my context, a lot of people were struggling with um, upping their IELTS writing score. But the, the issue is a lot of teachers think that feedback is like just highlighting the mistakes in their writing and fixing it. No, it's not. How can a student reproduce that in a test? They can't. They don't have that support available. It's giving them the tools and strategies to be able to apply in the test, right? Right. And that yes. brings me back to the uh, the band descriptors. 
Mm -hmm. So the way we used to give feedback in our training is based on the, just like how an examiner would give uh, feedback, but like the condensed version. So you have to look at the, the common mistakes that they have, for instance, with task two, and focus on the issue they are most struggling with. Ignore the grammar mistakes for once on this. This is their major issue, but I'm guessing if someone is at a B2 or C1 level, they, they wouldn't struggle much with grammar. It's mostly task achievement or like cohesion and coherence, maybe some issues with punctuation. So focusing on the element that is um, hindering the students from achieving their score, especially if, if they have taken the test before and they seem to be producing the same results every time they took the test. Yep, I agree. I think that's some um, really sound advice. Again, there's four elements of the test so that, you know, each element is worth 25%, for example, in writing, speaking is the same. So mm -hmm. if there's one particular skill that's really pulling them down, then obviously spend time focusing on that one first. Try to get them all at around the same level, and then you can look at increasing instead of just saying the grammar is terrible. And then just, you know, it, it, it takes a long time to give feedback that way. Um, so, yeah, definitely break it down and give as, as much useful, productive feedback as possible that they can actually apply. I think that would be really helpful um, for students as well. So it's not, um again, you know, with writing, I see a lot of students stuck on 6.5 and they say, oh, it's because I was unlucky. Um, it's because IELTS is a scam. The examiners get incentivized to to fail me. So I take it many times. Like, I, I mean, it, you know, this just isn't true at all. And I guess, you know, it's easy to try to blame it on other things. One other question I wanted to ask you about was EOR, about getting the, the test remarked. I uh -huh. see a lot of people do this and they say, yeah, I'm going to get it remarked and regraded. And then I say, okay. Uh -huh. And if you don't get a, an increase in your grade, then then what are you going to do? It is tricky, but luckily now they have the one skill test retake. Yeah, but but I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be like common in all countries soon. It's just a matter I of time. So. I think you can try it once. It, it wouldn't hurt anyone. Uh, it's just a matter of people who like um, they need the test and there's no way they can achieve their goals without taking the test. Hmm. Those are the kinds of people who are willing like to to pay an arm and a leg in order to, um, you know, yes. do whatever they can to achieve the, the score. Mm -hmm. um, because unfortunately, um, you get those students most of the time who think that they can just prepare for the exam one week before yes. the test. And I see then, it all the time, uh, yes. Yeah, and then uh, succeed or get the score that they want. Mm -hmm. um, it's 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 a process and it's a journey for both student and teacher. It is. It is. I, I think, think it's, it's really. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. I I was just going to say again that there really are no shortcuts. A hundred percent. And you're gonna have to try. Yes. Yes. This is the the biggest mindset shift when you you know as a teacher and for our listeners if when you when you teach a student or you start working with a student make sure you are very honest and open with what they need to what they need to do and their expectations because a lot of the time teachers will just say yeah I can help you I can get you a band seven in a month well it's possible but not for everyone very and everyone's different online. yes it this is. is this is very common a lot of 
a lot of people are setting their courses like that. And yes. this, this is really important for teachers and students. Be careful of the information you're getting online. Yes. You, need, you need to only be getting your information from trusted sources and avoid all other kind of websites that mm -hmm. most of the time, if not all the time, are giving you wrong information. Yes, exactly. Or this is what I was going to say. Information. Yes. Yeah. Be careful of websites that say we can guarantee you a band seven in, in one month or two months. And then they'll support that with myths and misconceptions that we've talked about. And they'll also give out update information and they'll say things that aren't true in order to get you to sign up for them. And again, one one again obviously i'm not going to say who it is but one one ielts guru expert um was doing this kind of thing and i did ask them you know why are you continuing to give false information um and then they said well i have a secret i have a process that that works for all my students and i'm thinking well it's it turned out the secret was just to if you don't get your score apply for remarking and i was thinking oh, well if so remarking yeah and i was like well what happens if they don't get a score increase mm. they've spent two or three weeks waiting for the results they've spent more money to get it remarked what would be the the advantage of that it might work for some but it's not going to yeah. work for everyone and the students yeah. stuck and they're in the same position and this it's is why i also so go ahead it's a wheel of fortune kind of situation like yeah. keep yeah. spinning the wheel on yeah this is why i say as well you know make sure you actually work with people who do know what they're talking about so if you're looking for a teacher, have they taken the test and scored at least eight overall, I would say? Have they worked as an examiner before? Great. Have they done training, the, the IDP training or the British Council training? Um, you know, how have they examined speaking? Have they examined writing? Have they examined both? Again, look for these kinds of things. These are going to be good indicators. You don't just want to work from, you know, John who took IELTS and got an 8.5. That's great. But does that make them a good teacher? Probably not. No. Um, think about sports. You know, a good football player, do they always make a good coach or a manager? No. Vice versa. Doesn't always work that way. So, um, you know, set yourself up for success as a student. And if you're a teacher, you know, as a listener, if you're thinking about teaching IELTS or teaching test prep and you feel like you need to improve your skills, then of course reach out. Um, we can help you with that. But just make sure you're being honest, you're being open, and you're being, you know, accurate with the information you give. That, that would be something I'd really stress as well one last tip yeah. most in, most uh, most important thing you really need to understand what it is uh skills development uh, yes. if you haven't if you are at CELTA level right now then it's really important that you start reading about teaching the four skills sub skills um especially when it comes to speaking and listening and reading um reading is not just about scanning and skimming techniques it's more mm -hmm. than that so yeah just just up your knowledge and information yes 100 percent, 100 percent. so i mean we've been we've been a little bit critical and we've really gone into some <laughs> of the negative sides of this but um let's try to focus on some positive sarah could you share some success okay. stories or transformations you've witnessed um in teachers who adopted these approaches how they changed their approach because again people you know i see a lot of teachers who base their philosophy on other teachers so it's kind of people teachers who think they know what works and then other teachers building off other teachers who think they know what works and we get this you know we get this butterfly effect of a really dangerous and you know potentially misleading market mm -hmm. so 
what would you say about some successes or some transformations you've seen? I think, like I said before, when you when you sit down to study the course yourself and start uh, start learning about the complexity of the question types, uh, the different kind of skills you're being tested on. So I remember when I when I was self studying, there was this course book that I was using. I'm not going to mention names. It was it was a great course book though. Uh, in the contents section, the author went into great detail about listing down which question is is testing which subskill. Up until up until then, I I didn't really know what each question was testing really. I was just blindly helping the students with the, again testing and testing and testing. Uh, the more you practice, the more you get scores, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So this this was really um, like a turning point in my teaching. I, I I started transferring this information to them, and then they started understanding. And there was like a light bulb moment. Huh? Okay, I know how MCQs work now. I know how they don't work. This is really important. So that really helped a lot with them, at least feeling confident. Because with when you when when you're teaching that this kind of exam, you're building their confidence as well because they really believe that they're not going to achieve the score that they want. Yes, yes, hundred percent. I love that. What is um what is one takeaway you'd like to share with teachers um? about IELTS misconceptions or about IELTS myths and things that we've discussed today? One takeaway would be is to not rely on popular tips and tricks that are being shared online, on mm -hmm. YouTube, on these websites. Please steer away from them. So what should they rely on? Where are they going to get their information from? Or who are they going to get uh, their information from? So like I said earlier, either trusted sources from well-known websites, like the ones you mentioned, from um, published course books by well-known authors or well-known publishing houses, which we mm -hmm. all know about. And if they can get trained either at their school or by an external course provider, that will be very, very useful. It will add a lot to their experience. Their teaching is going to change. Uh, you're not just going to be a general English teacher. You're also going to be an exams uh, teacher, which is going to add a lot to your knowledge and experience. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there is no really like a secret or hidden technique about how to prepare to become an IELTS teacher, except just to be prepared, study like a student, take the test, get trained. Yes. Great advice. Thank you for sharing that, Sarah. How can our listeners um, get in touch with you? How can they find out more about, about what you've mentioned today? And maybe how could they ask you some questions if they have some? Well, you can find me on, on LinkedIn. Uh, just search for Sarah Omar. And I will be so happy to get in touch with anybody who's interested in learning more about IELTS or anything else. Amazing. Thank you so much for the discussion. It was really interesting and insightful. Very reassuring as well to hear from a, a like-minded IELTS um, professional. So thank you for that, Sarah. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed the chat. Thanks. So a big thank you there to Sarah Omar, who was kind enough to share with us her knowledge and expertise on the topic of IELTS. And I hope you found that useful and also insightful as well as a listener. 
Thank you again for listening to this episode. Don't forget to subscribe for new episodes each and every Wednesday. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, if you are looking for help with task preparation and it's something you might want to get into more, just visit our website, esl-talk.com. There you can find out more about our test prep teacher program. You can also listen to all our previous episodes and you can also apply to be a guest as well. Just click the link, fill in a couple of details and we can get in touch with you so you can be on a future episode. That is it for this week's episode. We will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for even more ESL teaching content.